What would you do if you were told you only have one day, one week, or one year to live? Because we're talking movies, we're talking one week, starring Joshua Jackson, Leanne Bauman, and Gord Downey. Written and directed by Michael McGowan. Many of life's failures are people who do not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. I'll tell you, it's a blank from diapers to the pens. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of how'd you like that movie uh as we said last week uh on our show about twister we're going to be doing some can con or can can as scott likes to say so we are doing the canadian film one week from 2008 uh it's shot in canada it's got a canadian director and it's got a canadian cast it is very canadiana uh so scott why don't you take us away yeah like uh, with this month's theming of the Canada uh, to me, this movie is pretty much the embodiment of Canada. Like if space aliens were to come and, you know, each each uh, country had to present something that embodies what they are. I think this might be a top choice. Independence Day would probably be America's, but I think this one would be a top choice for Canada. Yeah, this and Strange Brew. Which, if you're an older generation of Canadian, you definitely would be picking straight. <laughs> but I 100% agree with you. Like, watching this film, I'm like, oh, my God, this is almost, like, so Canadian it hurts. Like, I can feel the poutine and maple syrup right now. I'm surprised a Mountie didn't show up at some point. And that Mountie was Paul Gross. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, sorry, yeah. Are you uh are you looking for uh how to find your way west? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh everything from like the landscapes, the soundtrack, the people, and we'll talk about the cameos, um, the film stock, like it has that very like CBC. We don't have a lot of money for our production budget. I mean, this was a two million dollar uh budget which i do wonder how much of that was telefilm like tax credits so like as far as like cash in hand uh like a good part of this like one million of that two million might have actually just been given directly back to them by the uh canadian and on uh, the canadian government in tax credits so like uh this was a hundred percent a good choice for uh kicking off our, our first like, canadian film of our canada a show yeah, I'm glad I picked it. Um, I mean, as a, as a film, it definitely has, is lacking. Uh, but I, I, uh, like, I, I get like watching the movie. I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I can see where Chris is going to um, cut this fucking shit up. But I think back in 2008, too, right? Like thinking, thinking now, like thinking 2023, like if they were to remake this movie. This guy is a fucking YouTube vlogger now because there's so many fucking people that just make a living off this like crisis of fate, uh, um, like just crisis he was going through that he just had to get away that he decided he, you know, was going to go go west and just literally stop at the world's biggest tourist stops along the way. Well, at least Canada's biggest tourist stops. Yes, it has a very... Yeah, pray, love kind of vibe to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
yeah and in terms of like character i would say depictions this is 100 percent canadian too like i don't know any other fucking guy who cheats on his fiance tells her pretty much the same morning after he's done and she doesn't get mad at him and they end up still sleeping together later on and you know it's because he's Canada. got cancer. He's got cancer. <laughs> when you have cancer, you can like get away with anything. Uh, some interesting points in this film, though. Like, so this film's from 2008. And it. I remember watching it. I'm watching it. And I'm like, man, this has a very like 500 days of summer vibe with the like voiceover narrative. And it's kind of the like not necessarily linear uh, shot choice and stuff like that. And so I thought they were like ripping off 500 days of summer. 500 Days of Summer actually comes out in 2009. So it's like, a, it's weird because they're so similar, even in like the monotone, like, and you know, then he did this and then he did that. Or how his, like the sea story is basically his interaction with people on the road. And then every once in a while they'd be like, and then Julie found the love of her life. And I'm like, did 500 Days of Summer rip them off? Like, I was like, uh, and oh. I mean, I mean, as you know, I am not a big fan of voiceover narration as exposition unless, I mean, I think Stand By Me for some reason does it well, maybe because they don't get too carried away with it and because it does come from the novel. Uh, but I'd have to actually go back and watch Stand By Me now as a grown up, and maybe I don't like it then. But like this film actually could have been much better. Uh, I mean, I do love the idea of like a road film shot on a motorcycle. Uh, Oh, yeah, go ahead. You got to say some stuff. So, well, um, like back in terms that I, I think that um, is also very fucking Canadian, because to me, the one thing that reminded me of like your depictions of the sea story was fucking Robertson Davies fifth business, right? Where you're not the main protagonist, you're like the the whole meaning where, you know, he thought the the main character thought he wasn't the main person and he was just a side person that you know brings along and you know based off of his small interactions with people you know changes their lives and that's pretty much what you know this character did with joshua jackson because yeah like everything like even the one with the picture of the um, the german tourists were they german uh, well, they were speaking with like I, German language. Uh, I didn't, or they yeah, could have been, know what, they could have yeah, been Schweiz, like they could have been Austrian or what they were yeah, definitely yeah. speaking a dialect of German, right? So Right. And then it's, you know, they had they, you know, they were the love of their lives, but you know, they fought. Every time they fought, they would look at his picture, right? And that's what brought like it's those little interaction things that I, I actually enjoyed He was the like, most. I love Tofito, and she was like, That Canadian was so hot, it makes me wet in my vagina right now. Yeah, but that's the thing right like, so let's make know, the make the sex and stay together yeah when he when he was in it was alberta right no was it alberta where with was the, the, with the where he like finds the the woman's dog no no not the dog the um the horse oh yeah like the yeah, it's alberta dog. yep that, yeah because she goes alberta. up to fort mcmurray to to see your son like again there's she all was this with, like no little... no i thought she was manitoba and then because the well, Fort McMurray's in Alberta, I would assume that she was in Alberta. I mean, let's be honest, from Saskatchewan to the BC border, it's basically the same shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that is going to sound like a super Ontario centric attitude. 
I was born in Alberta. I can say that shit. Really, basically, once you leave Ontario until you get to BC, the prairies are basically the same thing, except Alberta has the Rockies. So, but, but yeah, and then you have, you know, the, the same narration where, you know, he's like, oh, he's never written a horse. And he really hoped that the grandma that she could ride him. Yeah. <laughs> That listen, I don't have a problem. I actually, I I wish those sea stories were done better because I do like them. I like that interaction, but I am not a big fan of using voiceover. To me, it's lazy exposition. So you could have dialogue where the characters, especially, it's a perfect setup, right? Because as I've talked about in other shows, uh, especially like most recently with our Mission Impossible show, how if you have characters that have known each other, Scott, it's like being like saying like. You know, Scott, I know how much you and I enjoy soccer or something. It's like, yeah, these guys have known they met playing soccer. Obviously, they know that you wouldn't be verbalizing this because you have all these strangers. It actually allows you to use dialogue to tell your story. Right. When Gordon Downey uh, from the Tragically Hip, the, the late lead singer of the Tragically Hip, which, OK, I just want to sidebar on that. So what I found really interesting is I didn't I thought that maybe gord already had his because he ended up dying from brain cancer and i thought that he already had had cancer at this time when they shot this film he didn't get his diagnosis till 2015 so that's a bit creepy and eerie like he plays like a cancer survivor then gets cancer and dies from it i'm like um but when he's sitting there talking to gord that could be like when Gord is talking about his cancer diagnosis, that's when Joshua could easily have been like, like, I don't really want to tell most people this, but like, I'm kind of in the same, but like you have these perfect opportunities to tell the story. I wouldn't even have shot this thing. Okay. So if I was going to shoot this thing, first off, you got to do all of Canada, baby. You got to go to the East coast. I get it. They have the two guys from Newfoundland that are just like, yes, buy two bucks, you know, a box of beer is what the bet is kind of thing. But I think more importantly, the way you can do this is you open with him picking up his motorcycle in like New in St. John's or in Halifax. And you don't even know why he's doing the road tour. And then so he starts out on the road and you can use flashbacks and you can use those conversations with people along the way as to why he's heading west. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or the, yeah, like and then did. the voicemails of like come home and stuff. Almost like uh, as David Mammoth says uh, in his book on directing, like, you know, come in late, leave early, right? So he's checking his voicemails, like, you got to come back to Toronto and let the audience not know, like, wh- why did he run away from his fiance? Is he just trying to, like, you know, avoid the wedding and then slowly put those layers in? And then you realize it that he's trying to do, like, one last trip before he dies. Right. But I think in terms of the narration, here's the thing I liked about it. Um, because the last shot of this movie is the narrator reading the book, right? Well, of course you have to put that, You like, yeah, it's a cool last shot because you had voiceover narration. Just remove the fucking narrator. No, no, no. What, what I'm saying is... Also, that's uh, not how I would have ended this film, but we'll get to that. Okay, but the, the reason why I like that, because I think they did enough with, um... Fuck, I think his name's Campbell Scott. Yeah. Um, enough that it leaves it open to think it is the same character, maybe surviving the cancer and now reading his story. 
Yeah, like the idea that it's like a true story and like this mm-hmm. is him just, he, you know, that you're almost kind of like meta, like you're watching the film version of his life and Joshua Jackson's actually playing him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. So sure, you're right. Like that, that, and I'm assuming that is what the director was kind of going for. I would have actually ended this film when he's in Tofino and he's like, you know, paddling it on the surfboard and he just paddles into the sunset. And I would have just gone black there. And then he just sees Brody right there. He's like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would, be, it would be Keanu. It would have to be Johnny Utah because he's also Canadian, right? You know, the surface is the source, The surface is the source. I was saying it would have been Brody paddling in, right? He made it, right? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, so one of the things I really did like about this film is the cinematography from across Canada. Like mm-hmm. they're using those shots of him just like riding through the Rockies or through the prairies or Northern Ontario or whatever. Um, that's the other thing. you got to have him go east first because you need to have him run through Quebec and have them like have him speak English. And then they throw like tomatoes and stuff at him. Because <laughs> he was he was singing in in French. He was. The, he was singing in French Canadian. Yes. But uh, so like as a, as a little okay. sidebar too, like in terms of the sea stories, how come that lady's sea story was not and she's never had a bigger orgasm than she did that, that night. All right. and from then on she always remembered his penis in the forest it was like a red sequoia every time Uh, she looked at her dog she remembered while he was riding her the dog was sniffing his butt yeah it was uh they were doing it doggy style uh so that's emma griner she's actually like a canadian uh musician so uh her uh joel plaskett who's from nova scotia he plays the busker Obviously, Gordon Downey, uh, those are three big musicians that are in this film. Um, I was actually shocked that there was no Tragically Hip in this film. Like, uh, oh, I, I mean, I, like in terms of soundtrack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even if they did a cover, right? Like, somebody else did a cover. I think Bob Cajun, I know you're probably not super well-versed with Tragically Hip. I'm not even compared to, like, real Tragically Hip fans. But I think Bob Cajun would have been, like, a great song. Like, left the house this morning quarter after nine like it's got a really kind of bluesy feel and like could have been the willie nelson could have been the wine like there's it's like such a canadian northern ontario song like it would have fit anywhere in there and especially even if you got someone like emma covering that song in the film that gore downey is in i think that would have been really cool so what you're saying is instead of singing the French song that you didn't understand, she should have just, they should have just whipped out some. Yeah. yeah. Song okay. Listen, okay so just like, just like, you know, there's a time period where every dude at the like party pulled out his guitar and did wonder wall by Oasis. There is also a time period where someone would, well, it'd probably be like new Orleans is sinking or something like that. But like, there's always that guy and a certain age gra- uh, like demographic that is like, oh, I'm going to do my best tragically hip. You know what I mean? So, yes, yes, you could absolutely do. That actually would have been really cool, too. They just like singing some tragically hip. Uh, and again, it would have been a really good nod for the fact that like two scenes before Gordon Downey's in there. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, the like, did you enjoy it? So the film is kind of boring. <laughs> right. 
Uh, and actually, that's my quote. There's not a ton of quotes that I could find of this because it is a small Canadian film. Uh, but there was one from Variety, which is a, a little little publication that does uh, movie reviews sometimes. Uh, so Denise Harvey said that kind of aimless, pleasant, bland. Yeah, she could have also been describing Canada. <laughs> kind of pleasant, <laughs> boring, bland. Um, again, I think that there's lots of opportunity in this film. I mean, the acting and stuff was fine. Uh, the dialogue was a bit weak. Uh, like I said, I think the script uh, needs another pass. Uh, I, like I said, I didn't love the voiceover narration. I think that could have been done with dialogue. Even just the way, like, he, like, he obviously needs to, like, set things up. So, for example, when Joshua Jackson, he's, like, you know, running because he's found out about his cancer diagnosis, and he sees gets to the motorcycle... The guy is just like, bang, like right on him. Like, hey, so yeah, do you ride? Like, blah, blah, blah. Where it made would have made way more sense for him to be like, oh, hey, nice bike, man. Yeah, you know, I got to set Like, let him drive well, the think, conversation, right? Yeah, I get what you're saying. And why did he also, discount the price? Like, the guy didn't even get a chance to respond to- Because it's fucking Canadians, a- man. <laughs> it it's like-, like- that 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 is 100% a canadian thing to do like we barter ourselves down <laughs> like my price is 8 grand like okay i'll pay you 8 grand you know what fuck it 7500 all right you don't have to all right no i won't give you 7500 i'll give you $8000 thank you no you won't please and thank you you'll give me <laughs> okay and listen if we were doing a spoof 100% and even with the stuff with gordon downey like just let the characters settle and like Gordon starts talking about like weed and cancer, like right away. It's like, just give a reason. Like they're, they're like having guys just like smoking that weed. And then, you know, Joshua takes a toke or whatever. And it's like, yo, I hope we don't get caught. And it's like, don't worry, man, they prescribe it for cancer. Or like, there's a better way to like lead into those lines instead of just being like, well, we need this to move uh, the story along. So we're just going to say a bunch of dialogue, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I won't lie, like, I, I did think, like, this was the very first time I've ever seen this movie. It will it, also it, probably it... be the last time I see this movie, but so. Yeah, but was it your first time as well? Yeah, of course. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know, man. Um, Originally, when you sent it to me, I thought it was the Motorcycle Diaries, and I'm like, oh, no, it's it's like the motor, it's the Canadian Motorcycle Diaries. It is. Um, But yeah, like, because the whole whole thing is he's, he's, he's trying to find these grumps. Yes. Um, I don't know what they are, but they also seem 100% fucking Canadian where it's it's like a leprechaun, but instead of giving you money, they're just going to pat you on the back and say good luck, right? Like, it's like the like, Sam Squanch. <laughs> but um that when when uh when Downey came into the to the scene, I'm like, don't fucking tell me he's going to be the grump. Cuz that's that was that was the thing that I was thinking too, like in terms of the dialogue, I'm like why is the first thing he's fucking saying and talking about cancer right away? Because I'm like, does he know? I'm like, is he the grump? Yeah, so do you think that they were trying to do the whole, like, fate? You know, this is fate. He keeps running into these people, like the motorcycle, and it's like, it's just like, fate is controlling his destiny, so obviously he is doing the right thing, going west, like, you know, like you said, like, how did he know that I had, you know, to bring up cancer? Like, who would normally do that? Mm-hmm. also uh-huh. why is he always outside even when he has a motherfucking hotel motel whatever like he goes to the bar he gets drunk 
and somehow ends up like throwing up, not in front of the like bar, but like in the forest. He he has he so he's clearly at the Fairmount in um Banff. in Banff, right? And he goes and gets lost in the forest, and then they they sleep in the forest and have sex in the forest. I'm just like, okay, I get it. It's Canada. We do all we throw up, have sex, all of that stuff. We actually do that in houses. Like we have houses and running water and everything else. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Uh, well, it was the same. <laughs> and thing he sleeps on the fucking beach in Tofino. You know how fucking cold that is. Like it is not exactly a super warm place. Well, that no, I've never been there. But even when he was, he saw the, what is it, the the Northern Lights, the yes. Orialis, and then he's like sleeping on top of that big tree. Um, but no tent, no nothing. He was very unprepared. But the one thing, like, I don't know when this movie was filmed. And did he only have one change of clothes for that entire trip? Yeah, like he he <laughs> slept in it too. The the like he he stank. Um, but it wasn't his was feet a... that stank. It was his whole body. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, that that is the thing. Like, like I don't know when this was filmed, but even when they're doing these motorcycle things, I'm like, this seems like it's like late October early november man i'm like this guy must be fucking freezing driving these this motorcycle in these shots oh absolutely yeah it was not you know the dog days of summer where it's like nice and warm it's like cold yeah it's it's probably there's no snow so maybe late october yeah because either that or it's early i couldn't tell if there was if, if it was autumn or not so it could also be like late may right like early in the year Maybe yeah, I don't know. I know some of the trees did look like they were turning. They're they're starting to turn orange in some of the the scenes. But the one thing, and it, it's not a criticism because this this film's like old. But I kept on thinking like, if they remade it today, but with like No Man Land kind of cinematography, yes. like how fucking beautiful. And that is that actually that is the film that I actually thought about. Is like. um Having, because like I said, having more sea story where you meet more people along the way, you can basically show Canada. Oh, because remember, like they shot this, there's like one person of color and one indigenous person in the whole thing. So you could actually, instead of just using like cameos of like Canadian musicians, you could have real people, sort of like they did in No Man's Land, right? Where you cast just like real people from, you know, so-and-so Manitoba or PEI or whatever. And just have them have the character interact with like real people along the way to have a sense of like what it is to be Canadian. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, but it was good. Uh, I do recommend it if you haven't watched it because it is, it is to me a good movie. Uh, the thing that's kind of weird is, on Rotten Tomatoes is it's 50% by the critics but 73% by the audience. And there's just, only been eight critics that have reviewed it, but over 2,500 audience people have reviewed it. Yeah, and it's weird because the Globe and Mail, which is like a big Canadian paper, they 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 said they didn't like it, but they didn't say why. They were just like rotten. <laughs> it's like, you couldn't even write like a like one line, one sentence to say well, why. You like to me, because this movie is like, yeah what 2008 it could have been right when rotten tomatoes was starting and they didn't really know how it works mm. <laughs> they're just like okay, okay. <laughs> just bad <laughs> or good but yeah i enjoyed it i thought the acting was fine it was great um 
story wise it was it was you know it it pulled well it like pulled i said I, th- I think i think it i again i think it's a bit boring i i agree so first off you want to know like kind of what canada's like especially canada's Sierra 2008 watch this there is actually we are a much more diverse country than this film shows uh it isn't just a white bunch of white people from sea to shiny sea um so yeah, definitely watch that. The cinematography, like the Canadian road cinematography is great. Um, I mean, this could have been a government of Canada production, you know, like they've got Banff, they've got, you know, all the, the you know, largest dinosaur, largest hockey stick. Uh, so the largest hockey stick, by the way, is actually on Vancouver Island. It's in Duncan. And uh, the beginning of the Trans Canada is not in Tofino. It's in Beacon Hill Park, which is also in on Vancouver Island, but it's in Victoria. Uh, but I guess it makes more sense for like the end of his West Coast trip to end at the most Western point of Canada, which is essentially Tofino, right? But that's not actually where the Trans Canada starts. Trans Canada, actually, mile zero where uh, Terry Fox actually started was is in Beacon Hill Park in Victoria. Yeah, but they they only showed where he finished not where he started but there's a sign that says mile zero and they actually make it look like it's in tofino but it's not okay. like mile zero i, I, mi- I must have missed that like i remember them at the end right like where they show where you know he finished where he was able to go and then he well he that's went. as far east as terry fox goes is where mm-hmm. he's talking about right so yeah yeah but that's the thing too i know you're saying like this was government but yeah they did they did you know they're they're picking up you know joshua jackson this time he would have been what just off of no dawson's creek would have been finished by now so this would have have been fringe he would have been on fox's tv show fringe at this time right probably you know the whole two million of this production budget went to him he was like i don't want to fucking ride a motorcycle well but he's one of the producers he's one of the producers on this so he was clearly like invested in doing this project Mm -hmm. uh i i do find it interesting though because like when i was like quickly reviewing his filmography i mean mighty ducks all of them the skulls like in the late 90s mid 90s the late 90s like he was a really big actor and i'm surprised that you know, you look at uh, what's his name from Fast and Furious that passed away, Paul, um, Paul Walker, Paul Walker, like he was I mean, he was in Dawson's Creek Dolls. with Kate, uh, Tom Cruise's ex, uh, what's her last name, Katie Holmes, Katie Holmes. And like they all went on and kind of did some stuff. And like he's had a, a career the whole time. Uh, he's now on fa- uh, I think it's is it Paramount or Amazon's Fatal Attraction. Um but he never seemed to become like the big star that it seemed like he was poised to become. So I don't know what happened or if he had some, you know, poor choices right after the skulls and stuff like that. But he was like definitely in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think he. Yeah, like I don't have anything bad to say about his acting or anything like that. Um, I think. I think especially with this movie, like there's all the little nods, right? Like even when he goes sees the Stanley Cup, right? It's against it's when the they found the uh, um Anaheim Ducks guy was Oh the, I just realized that him yeah. yes, oh my god, that makes so much sense. He was in the Mighty Ducks and he actually is like chatting with what's his name from the Ducks. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like I like all these little nods, right? That they they did. But um, 
yeah it could just be too i know you're saying like not the star but maybe he just you know wanted to be with his family more right so he takes these projects that, that don't keep him away that long you know sometimes I mean, that's that, a choice too that that's possible and like i said like he's he's still very successful he did he's doing tons of tv so he's definitely got you know money coming in um and i get he's getting good reviews for fatal attraction so our guest last week reese uh, evan anson was talking about how he did a bunch of films and you know he thought it was going to open up certain doors and the doors he said it did open up were actually like you know writing on projects or working on other people like he worked on tv shows and stuff and it seems like the writer director so michael mcgowan the writer and director of this film I mean, he had, he did like All My Puny Stories, which is fairly recent, uh, My Dog Vincent, St. Ralph, Score, a hockey musical. But he, it looks like he's done tons of TV directing. Like right now he's working on I Woke Up a Vampire, but he's also done like Murdoch Mysteries, which is super popular here in Canada. So it's almost like these Canadian directors, unless they can, what's, what are you making that weird face for? Wondering what they're making in the background. Oh, um, <laughs> The reality is, is that like, it's almost like Canadian directors, it's either they make it really big like Villeneuve and go to Hollywood, or you do just enough film that people then give you jobs working on TV shows and that allows you to actually work as a director. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but again, I think it's all how much, how much of a hit your, that movie that puts you on the mainstream kind of does right like um Bolanov was prisoners right uh like, yes I think, I think that, so. that's the one that put him on it wasn't his first one it was the second one prisoners with uh Hugh Jackman and I think that's the one that put him on the map well he, he has like enemies and he has a bunch of stuff that did really well at film festivals and stuff before that right mm-hmm but no, what I mean, like in terms of the commercial stuff, right? Like, in which he can go. Well, in what about the one like, with Jake Gyllenhaal? Isn't that Prisoners? Yeah, but you said Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it's the same fucking movie. Hugh oh, Jackman yes, and yes. Jake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have his. I don't have his, his stuff in front of me, so it yeah, kind of threw me. It's the same fucking movie. Um, but I think that's when he, you know, he can do, it. and I think Arrival right like a rival well by that point he was already like i mean it's amy adams it's got a massive budget and everything else he was already in the mix right now i mean we're working without a producer today so i don't have the access to like information uh yeah no but what i think uh like with arrival how much that was well written how much that was well shot and everything um and awesome twist ending too in which he can then go be like motherfucker i want to make blade runner right and then that fucking beautiful to watch too it wasn't i don't think it was a commercial success but it looked fucking beautiful that he can be like you know what i'm now gonna fucking do dune right and he can just name his shit and they're like all right we're gonna pay you yeah i mean he's definitely become like a massive massive director right so (laughs) once you and i mean he's been lucky that he hasn't really had a flop because when you start playing around with those like big crazy budgets, like you you get a flop and you can be fucked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he did Enemy, uh, and then he did Sicario. So I would say that like Enemy did well, and then Sicario was like 
did such a fantastic job at like moving him into the academy and uh, did well at the box office. And then he did Arrival and then he did Blade Runner. And so he's just been successful, continuing to be successful. But here in Canada, he had Polytechnique and Incendies and then he did Prisoners. So, but yeah, he, we, you know, very few of our directors get to get to that level. Uh, I, and I mean, I don't want this to turn into a, a Villanova podcast uh, episode, but mm-hmm. it's see, like, again, the more we talk to kind of our local people, it's like, yeah, you make movies and you kind of try and keep eking it out. And then hopefully you land a couple TV shows, you know, episodes each year, which keeps, I think uh, Mary Galloway was posting uh, about how roughly you get about $60,000 to direct uh, a broadcast episode of TV here in Canada. So, I mean, you do a couple of those a year that keeps the money coming in and then you get to make a feature film as well. Right. So. No, no, it's, it is good. And that's why, you know, we're kind of doing this little um, series that you wanted to do with the Canada. Yeah. To, you know, showcase it, showcase more of the, the talent and the stories that, that are coming out of here. Right. We are Canadian. Uh, but yeah, I mean, check it out. It's a fun movie. I got my copy. I think I watched it on Amazon. It's part of my prime prime subscription. So, you know, I didn't have a whole lot invested, so I wasn't so uh, concerned about any type of loss. It definitely wasn't one of those rent for $30 at home kind of things. And again, the soundtrack, the soundtrack for this is uh, very much like Canadian indie rock. It's like, you know, Sam Roberts, Great Lakes Swimmers. uh, Who else is on this thing? Do, 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 do the Saltines. Obviously, Joel Plisquette, because he's in the movie, which, again, I thought was odd that there was no tragically hip. So, I mean, definitely check out the soundtrack if you're into that kind of like Canadiana rock and roll. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about with this film? Um, not really. Like, yeah, I like to. That, like, what did you think? You think he survived or you think he died? Because they never resolved it. Right? Uh, and that's the thing I liked about it. Like, it just left it open. Like, it's your interpretation. I mean, right? to be honest, the fact that you, like, wrote a book and everything. I, get, I know they did say he could have up to a couple of years. Uh, to me, it felt like they were pushing for the, like, sur- like that he survived. Right, because once the whale came and he was like, I don't know what a grump was like what what it's supposed to look like but he feels like he found it right it's like oh he he was miraculously saved by production by rod shaver vader monkey productions